0: I did a paper on the small local new Planned Parenthood affiliate, and I was then offered a job as executive director of that affiliate, even though I had never, even though I had never run anything, I had, and I thought, well, you know, it so sounds kind of interesting. I'll do it for a few years and I'll go back to teaching, which is what I really love. And 30 years later, I retired as the national president. So you never know what life is going to hand you or what opportunities are going to be there. So I always say to young people when they ask me about advice, my advice is just say yes.
1: You're listening to the Unstoppable Business Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Lee. So today we have Gloria Felt joined with us, and she's named by Vanity Fair as America's top 200 women leaders, legends, and trailblazers and Glamour's Women of the Year. An in-demand speaker, Gloria has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg TV, the New York Times, and many more top media. She's the co-founder and president of Take the Lead, a nonprofit dedicated to achieving gender parity by 2025, and she's the best-selling author of four books. The latest is No Excuses, Nine Ways Women Can Change How We Think About Power. Gloria, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you, Brian. I'm happy to be here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure. So, Gloria, if, uh, if I was your friend growing up, what would I say about you?
0: Hmm. You would probably say I was, um, you know, I was smart. I mm-hmm. was not, you know, I was not like, you know, one of the cool kids. But when I moved in my junior high school years to a very small town in West Texas, I decided I wanted to be among the cool kids. And so I, right. I got involved more in what mm-hmm. was going on with my group. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. But, you know, it was a culture in which women weren't encouraged. Girls and women weren't encouraged to have professions or to have careers of their own. You were supposed to be a support system for everybody else. And um, they used to say if you went to college, it was to get your MRS. And so... I uh, I I I became one of the pack. You know, I wanted to be like everybody else. I wanted to be quote normal. So I think they would have said I was normal, and uh, and I became you know kind of popular. And then I then I I, I drank the Kool Aid of what the culture wanted right. of me. And I I married my high school sweetheart. I had three children by the time I was twenty, and uh, there the story starts to unfold.
1: Wow. Gotcha. So uh, what did your career path look like in the beginning?
0: I woke up when I was 20 and realized I have three children. And if I ever had to support them on my own, I had no employable skills whatsoever. So I decided I would start to college and my intention was to become a teacher. At that time, I thought I would be Mm -hmm. an English teacher. Later on, I decided I wanted to be a high school social studies teacher. And um, there was a community college in town, so I started to the community college, but because I couldn't finish, there wasn't an upper-level college. I was living in Odessa, Texas at that time. If there are any Friday Night Light fans out there, uh, you know all about Odessa, Texas and Mojo, and yes, it's a Mm -hmm. real thing, and my children all graduated from Permian High School. So um, So I started doing community volunteer work, and I got involved in the civil rights movement, and I had this epiphany that if there were civil rights, well, women must have them too. So I started doing some things then that, that uh, I got involved with women's groups, I should say that women with groups of women who were trying to open doors and change laws for women to enable women to have Mm -hmm. an equal opportunity. And uh, I was offered a job teaching Head Start. And so I did that for five years. Then the University of Texas opened a branch. I in in Odessa. So I, I quit my job at Head Start so I could finish my degree. And, um, and in that process, I did a paper on the small local new Planned Parenthood affiliate. And I uh, was then offered a job as executive director of that affiliate, even though I had never, even though I had never (laughs) run anything I had. And I Mm -hmm. thought, well, you know, it so sounds kind of interesting. I'll do it for a few years and I'll go back to teaching, which is what I really love. And 30 years later, I retired as the national president. So you never know what life is going to hand you or what opportunities are going to be there. So I always say to young people when they ask me about advice, my advice is just say yes.
1: Just say yes. Just okay. say yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so the thing is, it seemed like your path definitely wasn't planned, right? It w- was it something... It wasn't something that you were uh, really planning, but it's uh, eventually it became a plan, right?
0: It's it's an interesting question. And I often reflect on what would I have been if I had had a plan? What would I have done if I had been more intentional about my life? And I really hope that young young people, young men and women, will be more intentional about what they want to do with their life and what they want to their life to mean. I, I think I was fortunate in a way that I, I serendipitously was able to turn my life's passion for women's equality into my life's work. But I think you don't always get to do that if you don't think about it proactively and intentionally. So I, I really, I really think that uh, I probably missed out on some things by not being more intentional, and but that's okay. You know, it, it's, it's been very good. And and the thing is that when I when I left, the thing one of the intentions that I had had as a very young child, literally when I was five years old, I wanted to be a writer. Mm-hmm. And I carried Mm. my little notebook around with me and I wrote Uh, stories and I wrote stories, you know, and I, and I got really good feedback about it because my teachers liked my stories. My, I had a teacher who liked one of my poems and she taught it to other children. So I really, I really, if I had been intentional, I might be I might be a, 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 a Pulitzer Prize-winning author. I might have actually learned how to write. But right. finally, mm. so the reason I, I finally took a pivot after 30 years with Planned Parenthood is that I realized that I was getting to the point in my life where if I didn't go ahead and do what I had wanted to do, I, I might miss my chance. So I did write some books. And And the fourth book that I wrote is, as you mentioned, No Excuses, Nine Ways Women Can Change How We Think About Power. When I wrote that book, my intention for it was to be a a social commentary book, because I was looking at the question of why, why was it that the women of my generation had opened the doors and changed the laws, and yet... 30 years later, women were still stuck at under 20% of the top leadership positions in every single sector that was studied. And I was shocked to find out that it no longer was that there weren't opportunities. It was that women ourselves weren't taking those opportunities. Mm. And I just (laughs) needed to figure out why. And my conclusion was, now I will tell you that there is research that says women have less ambition than men. And I thought, no, that is so not true. That is just, I know that's not true. So as I interviewed women across the country and I looked into my own life and I looked at the research, I discerned that it's about our socializations around power and that, that girls and boys, women and men are still socialized differently around power and when you can't take the locus of power inside of yourself and because you've been taught to think first about what other people think about you how you look how you how you look how you you know how you act how you if you if you present yourself as a powerful woman you will probably be called um you know something not so nice yet if you don't present mm-hmm. yourself as a powerful woman mm-hmm. it's assumed you can't do the job so, I, I've, I've, I just, I had, to, I had to do something about that. So, I wrote this book in which each chapter said, well, this is part of the problem. This is one of the reasons why this happens. And it's not anybody's fault, but we need to understand it. We need to understand it. And women need to have these skills, and I called them power tools, in order to thrive in the world as it is while we're changing it. And we can change it because I knew from a life in social movements that you can change anything, but it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. It takes a lot of work and a lot of intentionality. So I wrote the book and people started asking me to teach workshops using it. And as I taught mm-hmm. these workshops and I gave women a, a, an opportunity to rethink the whole concept of power, because the narrative of history has been written as scarcity and fighting and wars. And in truth, there isn't a finite pie. The most important things, what we have in our brain, our abilities to think and to love and to, to innovate, those are, those are the, our greatest strengths as human beings. Those are infinite resources. They're not scarce at all they're only limited when we think they're limited and we don't have to fight over them. If I help you and you help me, we both have more power. And once I would share that with women and ask them to think about power not as being an oppressive idea of the power over them, but rather the, their own power to innovate, create, make life better for themselves and their families and their communities and their world I would see the masks fall off of their faces, and they would say, well, yeah, I want that. I want that kind of power. So we would rethink power, and then we would talk about these nine leadership power tools and how they could use them in their lives and in their work. Well, I would hear from women later on that this had opened the door for them, that they had made incredible strides that they had gotten promotions that they had had the courage to ask for a raise to get equal pay and and so pretty soon I was I was hooked and I thought well you know I can teach a few women by myself but if I really want to make an impact there needs to be an organization so I co-founded take the lead at that time and take the Mm -hmm. lead is, uh, as you mentioned, our mission is nothing less than gender parity in leadership by 2025, not 70 years from now, not 150 years from now, as the World Economic Forum says it will be, but I think we can do it in the next five years.
1: Wow. That's really amazing, Gloria. Uh, When you left Planned Parenthood, and you were going out on your own, um, how did you come across these concepts And how did you uh, sort of think about it differently than other people?
0: How I thought about it differently is a good question, but I think that's part of the learning that I had leading one of the most complicated and controversial organizations in the world, and that I had faced many challenges, that it's a nonprofit organization. But, you know, in a nonprofit organization, you know the phrase, the, uh, the saying that, Ginger did everything Fred did, but she did it backwards and in high heels.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs)
0: And, and that's kind of what it's like running a nonprofit because you have to have every business skill that every business person has to have. You have to have, you have to understand budgets. You have to understand profit and loss. You have to understand strategy. You have to understand how to find resources. You have to understand your marketplace, but you do it with far less money. And you do it with much more scrutiny. You know, people are looking over your shoulder all the time. So I actually had the skills. I didn't realize it. I didn't realize that that was the case until I started thinking Mm -hmm. about it. And I realized that, you know, I actually, I've actually done this. And so I can start an organization. If I've been running an organization, I can start one. And we did start Take the Lead. It is a nonprofit, a 501c3 nonprofit, because my experience had been in the nonprofit world and also because we were able to raise uh, unrestricted money faster that way. Uh, We didn't have to look for investors. We found other philanthropists who were interested and who were committed to women's equality. And so we were able to raise startup money that way. But that having been said, uh, every nonprofit also has to earn money and not every nonprofit, but but the ones I have worked for also has to earn money. So, so we have several ways of funding ourselves. One is philanthropy, one is corporate training and sponsorships and one is providing uh, uh, courses, uh, training and coaching for individuals that, that, is, um, that are revenue producing. So we have, a, we have a strategy. I actually, when I was president of Planned Parenthood Federation of America, I took that particular role at a time when the organization was in very deep trouble financially. And also, I would say, in its own soul, it had been so attacked, it was feeling under attack, it was, um, things weren't going well, It it had several leadership changes over a few years. And so when I took over, I realized that the most important need that I had to do as a leader was to help the organization create a new vision for itself. Something that would look outward instead of inward at their own problems. Something that would take them higher and bigger and, mm. and, and, and you know, like what does the world need from us now? Not mm-hmm. what do we need, but what does the world need from us now? And what will that vision be? So we took the whole organization through a process of creating a 25-year vision. And 25 years forced us to, to let go of our current worries, because you don't know what your worries are going to be in 25 years. You can think about, this is what I want the world to be like in 25 years. This is what I want to have accomplished in 25 years. So that's basically approach, the approach that I took to take the lead. And that's how we created our mission to, to, to say, okay, well, what do we want the world to be like? When do we want it to be like that? And, and, and what do we need to do to get there? So that's how we came up with the mission of gender parity by 2025. And I I, I will tell you my little joke that I tell people is that Mm -hmm. when they say, how did you, how did you decide 2025? When everybody else says it's going to take a lot longer. And I said, well, you know, I've been doing this work for decades now. And if I could live another 70 or 150 years, I would, but the odds Mm. are not good. So (laughs) we have to do this faster because I want Mm -hmm. to see it in my lifetime. And I honestly believe when you look at strategy how things unfold they never unfold exactly on the trajectory that you predict right it never you know the 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 Mm -hmm. trend line never keeps going exactly like it's going at any given moment it's going to change so my theory is that while we we got to where we are in increments and by the way we've made a lot of progress in the last six years since take the lead has been around we're now almost 25%. Women are now almost 25% of the top leadership. So my theory mm. is that it's taken mm-hmm. us increments to get to 25. But mm-hmm. once we get to 25%, we can double much faster.
1: Mm. And then we'll be gotcha.
0: 50%. So that's my that's my working theory.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, Gloria, when, pe- when young people ask you, let's say, um, they see that you're a visionary, that you go towards – you know, bigger things. How do you answer them when they ask you about how do they turn their visions or their passion into their work?
0: It takes three things. And what I'm currently working on is is um, I'm I'm working on a book that I hope will help young people do this, and it's going to be about intention and the power of intention. And I actually created a new word, intentioning. I think we need to be intentioning about these Mm -hmm. things. In other words, it needs to be an active thing. So Mm -hmm. vision is one part. But then you need, the second part that you need is the courage to just get started, the courage to believe you can do it. And I think sometimes that's a, that's a hard thing to do. I mean, really deep down, you have to absolutely believe it. You have to see yourself. You've already done it in your mind. You know you right. can do it. And then the third part is action. Because vision without action is just a pipe dream. You got to have the action. And you're going to get a lot of hard knocks on the way with that action. But if you keep true to your vision and you have the courage to keep going, you will, and you take action, you will achieve it. It may not happen exactly like you thought. Mm, And that's mm -hmm. one thing I I think it's important to understand. Sometimes, many times, things don't happen exactly like you planned them. But if you start taking the action, many good things will happen.
1: Mm, Gotcha. That's awesome, Gloria. So I guess, is there anything else that you want to share to... Um, people who want to sort of follow in your footsteps.
0: Well, apropos of what the question that you asked me about vision, there's a little nagging voice in my mind that wants to say, and, and again, do understand that you will have pitfalls along the way. I, 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 I do a podcast. I just did one on, um, the fact that it's not the mountains in your path that trip you up, it's the pebbles. I had just fallen on, the, on a mountain trail and broken my wrist, so I was thinking about that. And, you know, I could see the mountain ahead, but what I missed was that pebble in the road that tripped me up. So mm-hmm. there will be pebbles in your road. Mm-hmm. You may get tripped up, and you may decide to take a different path from what you learned, and that's okay. But just know that if you want to stay true to that vision, and if you have the courage to see yourself already having done it, and if you're willing to take the action and the hard knocks along the way, and when you fall on a pebble, you get up and you have surgery if you need to, and you keep going, um, (laughs) you will get to where you want to go.
1: Mm. Awesome. Great, Gloria. Thank you so much.
0: My pleasure. May I just tell people where they can find me? Yes, of course. A oh, wonderful. So Take the Leads website is taketheleadwomen.com, taketheleadwomen.com, and my own is gloriafelt.com, and it's F-E-L-D-T.
1: If you didn't have time to take notes for this episode, get your full text summary, notes, and links along with all of the top tips from this episode at unstoppablebusiness.com slash podcast.